skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like letting go of guilt, breaking up with your parents, and betting on the future. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that no one said we should or are allowed to do this. No, we're definitely, we're not professionals. We're not trained in this. We're not qualified. I am, however, yeah. currently wearing a sweatshirt that was once owned by Justin Vernon of Bon Iver. How? <laughs> I was expecting a little bit more fanfare there. Thanks for your skepticism. Um, Big Cats, our producer, mm -hmm. is he makes music and he once made music with Bon Iver. Oh. Or like, was that his house or something? Spencer can edit this if this is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, just pop in, Spencer, and give us the real story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Nah, we dated in middle school and I just kept it. Um, and he uh, apparently like lended him the sweatshirt and he just like took it home or something like that by accident. Oh. Or it was at like a house party. That's great. I don't know. I absolutely don't know where how he got this sweatshirt. I just know that Justin Vernon owned it once. Do you feel like melancholy and like, ah. that's my impression of Bony Bear. <laughs> first of all, first of all, 
Bon Iver is fantastic. <laughs> Second of all, that impression is even better. You should make a band and be called Ghost Girl. <laughs> um, and no, I feel warm and excited. Oh, good. I'm just like a little Victorian child. I can't handle AC and Spencer's air conditioning, even though it is um, nice and warm in this September day. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is chilly in here. Spencer. Turn it out. Turn it out. <laughs> Turn down the AC. Help. Help. Please. We're freezing. I should have worn a sweatshirt. We're little Victorian mice boys. <laughs> Do you have any other famous people's sweatshirts <laughs> that you can give us? <laughs> this is all to say we have literally no qualifications except for we're wearing a stolen famous person's sweatshirt. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing thing that is love. Welcome to episode 59 Welcome. Welcome. Here we are again. Hello. So our check-in topic today is um, based on 100,000 letters that we get every year (laughs) that we do this, the one year that we've done this. Uh And that's how we've gotten 100,000 letters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, It's on ghosting. Mm, Ghosting. Yes. Can you tell the people what it is to be ghosted? Uh, When you're ghosted, it means that you've like gone on some dates or like chatted with someone or, or been in a three months like relationship three <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they just stop responding to you what like completely suddenly they, they are gone as they in, like they are gone yep. like they are now a poltergeist <clears throat> yep yeah it's a verb to be ghosted yeah not a noun to be go- like it's not I mean, a would no- that person be the ghost then no I, I don't think so because they're not <laughs> haunting you like yeah well, maybe they are. It isn't like a great. I love it. Word. I always have had like, I've always been like, I don't know if that's the right word because like, they like don't the haunt English you. They're made... not like a gaunt. They're not like but a ghost. But they do haunt you. The the memory of them haunts you. But like, they are not the physical ghost that comes back into your life. I feel like. Sometimes they do. Dead to me is a better <laughs> way to do that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about ghosting. We've talked about it a handful of times on the episode or on episodes in the past, but mostly because people are frustrated, like they got ghosted or they were the ghost or whatever. And we've talked about how it's it's sometimes it's we've talked about why we ghost about putting up boundaries or Mm -hmm. not having the mental capacity at that moment to deal with things or just not wanting to. Yep. Uh, We can go blue in the face talking about why people ghost or or in what ways. What childhood trauma led us to that (laughs) in my circumstance. Uh But um, today I wanted to talk about like the actual steps of how to deal, how to fucking deal trademark (laughs) with being ghosted. Because I think our it triggers a ton of anxiety Mm -hmm. and it triggers all of our deepest fears of abandonment or anxiety or not being good enough or rejection. Like it just... And, and the fact that they go so you can't have the conversation with them, it just makes people feel unhinged. Yeah. So what is your number one piece of advice that you would give to people? Like, if we wrote a manual how to deal with being ghosted, what would your first step be? Acknowledge the fact that you've been ghosted. <laughs> Ooh, it stings. It burns. <laughs> Why did you throw the peroxide on my wound? Because <laughs> I'm trying to clean it out. <laughs> So what it do you needs to heal? So what do you think? Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, I mean, I don't think stop that... lying to yourself. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's real because it's it, because 
it's hard. I think a lot it's, of people yeah. fold themselves so they'll be like, oh, they're just really busy or like, I'm sure, you know, but like, okay, I've, I've been ghosted. They stopped responding to me and that's on them, not on me. Yeah. You know, what's even worse than the ghost is like the partial ghost. Yeah. Where the poltergeist. Like, they yeah, come back and haunt you. Where you're like, send them like seven texts in a row and they only respond to one of them. And then they don't oh. ask you like anything else. They just like respond to it. And it's like, can we, why can't we just like stop the communication or communicate fully yeah i need to really know when in your fucking life have you sent seven text messages in a row <laughs> called out <laughs> listen you knew me in my 20s you're right you're right you're right you're much needier than i get it um okay so step one acknowledge that you're being ghosted step yep. two acknowledge that it has little to do with you yeah like it, it it might actually well that's not true it might actually have a lot to do with you, like they don't like you enough or you're smothering them. <laughs> I'm just speaking from experience. <laughs> okay, that's not what Sierra meant to say. No, it's not. It's not at all. I was triggered. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway. Uh, it's, I just meant to say, it's not about you. No, wait, wait. I, what I'm, let me work through this. Mm-hmm. What I meant to say is, is not that it's not about you, because it is, right? Mm-hmm. We have impacts on people. Um, whether the impact is they're just not that into you, right? Mm-hmm. All the way to um, they met somebody else or they don't want a relationship or they don't want to deal with conflict, whatever the fuck it is. It's not that it's not about you. It's a, not a reflection of you is what yes. I'm trying to yeah. say at the end yes. of the day. Okay, yep. so step one, acknowledge you're being ghosted. Step two, acknowledge that it's not about you. You, it's not, a, no, wait, right. it's not a, reflection a reflection of you. Of you. God, I yes. can't talk. All right. <laughs> I should quit. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Do you think that you, do you reach out or, or how about this? Like in times that you've been ghosted, have mm. you been like, cool, thanks for being so communicative. Have a good summer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have you sent the sassy, <laughs> like, I see what's happening here and, and I'm going to get the last word. Uh, No, because like what? What response am I expecting that's going to make me feel better by doing that? Uh, well, advice time. Do you th- like? Would you tell people to not do that, or would you tell them to be like, okay, you can you can have the last word if you want. Yeah, but- if you want the last word, that's fine. But then, like, you're still you're keeping that door open because they might yeah. respond and be like, I wasn't being uncommunicative. I was just in Vietnam for seven weeks yeah. and didn't have <laughs> oh my service. God, oh, my God. oh my god, I'm so <laughs> triggered by that. <laughs> The audacity of that lie <laughs> triggered me in such right? a way. Um, okay, so but, that's what I'm saying is like regain control by closing the door for yourself. I'm gonna jump in line and say that's number three. Yeah, number three is regain control, and you're not gonna get that control from texting them. Yeah, you're just not. No, nope. you're not gonna get closure. You're gonna. You. It might be like, oh, I'm playing into their game by not responding, by making it easy on their life, but really, like the. The thing that's going to make your life easier is fast-tracking them out of your life. Yeah, right? Exactly. Get them out of here. Yeah, and if that's the game they want to play, like, cool, great, bye. I'm going to move on with my life. I'm going to go play a different game over here with people who are actually nice and fun and talk to me. And engaging. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Would you do anything else? Uh, So for me, I, like... It was always helpful for me to think of like, okay, I'm going to do this thing and then that is when the door will be closed. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to reach this point and then it will be done. And so I always had what I called the Hail Mary text, which is like, 
I texted them three days ago and they never responded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like the Hail Mary text is uh, like, hey, haven't heard from you. Uh, if you want to continue to like to to talk or if you want to go on a date, let me know. But otherwise, like it was great knowing you. Enjoy your summer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's my one petty thing to right. say. Have a good summer. It's like February. <laughs> um, which is me just being like, OK, now I've done it and it's done. I, I actually like that because it is, again, in line with step three, which is regain control. Yep. But it's not. But what you need to come to terms with before you send that Hail Mary is that you're only letting them back in your life all the way. Yeah. You're not going to let them stick a fucking pinky toe back through the do- door sure. and be like, oh, I'm worthy of your attention in your body. You know, <laughs> you have to like be like, if you would like to continue seeing me. Um, I, that's something I'm interested in. If yeah. not, have a good summer. Yeah. I, will I don't say know like, how to phrase that. <laughs> right. I will say like from the Hail Mary, like three times out of 10, they would respond and be like, yeah, you know, I'm just not feeling it. Um, but like, good luck to you. Yeah. Right. Which is great. Yeah. Seven times out of 10, they just wouldn't respond to it. Yeah. Like there was never a time so never when they were worked. like, yeah, <laughs> what you never trying worked. to tell me is that like the Hail Mary. <laughs> it never worked. But it was helpful for me to, to like wrap my mind around the fact that like, okay, I'm closing the door now. I think that's really good. I, I love that. So 3A and 3B. Yes. And I had to prepare myself when I sent that to be like, okay, but if they don't respond, they don't respond. Yep. And that's it. Like I don't, re- I don't expect a response from them. And last thing like bonus number or bonus piece of advice. How do you stop yourself from being hurt by that silence? Mm. It, it's not a reflection of you. Yeah. Go back to number two that I circled with articulating for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. You just have to, or, or maybe it is the acknowledgement that this does hurt Yep. to be like, okay, being ghosted hurts. It's not a reflection of me. And I'm going to acknowledge my feelings. I'm going to make space for them. I'm going to give them tea. I'm going to give them a little hug. All mm-hmm. my feelings, they're going to feel welcomed here. And then I'm going to move on. Yep. I'm going to say, I've enjoyed this little feelings tea party. I've yep. acknowledged that this hurts me. But I've also acknowledged that this hurt isn't because I'm a bad person or because I'm undesirable. Yep. It's not a reflection of me because I didn't go someone. So I'm going to move on after I acknowledge and um, make space for myself. For sure. And I think um, if you're like me and you are a person who's like, once you send that text, you're like waiting and you keep checking your phone over and over again. Like at a certain point, put del- your phone down, <laughs> delete the thread chain. I am the queen of deleting things that I don't want to look at. For sure. Delete their contact and then block them. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even go as far as blocking them. But my number one thing before I. Why not? Why not? Listen, block listen, them? listen. Before I ended up in the church of Black, 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 uh-huh. I the number one thing I would do would be delete. Like if I was going through a breakup, I would delete their texts. I would delete their phone number. Yeah. So that I couldn't reach out to them at night because I have little, little to no boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to put up the physical boundary of not having access to them via. True. And if you block them, then the their number, number is in your blocked contacts. Right. So, so don't could, even block them then. So I could They're always not go respond back. to you anyway. They've ghosted you. Yes. That's the <laughs> fucked up thing is that you can have access to people's phone numbers once you block them. I know. I know. Let's write a letter to Apple. Be like, listen, Apple, you're really going <laughs> off brand. Anyway, uh, we hope this helps you get through your your most recent ghosting. Absolutely. Have a throw a seance. <laughs> yeah. Have a good summer. Yeah. Have a good summer. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, let's get into some letters. That's going to be my new sign-off. <laughs> and remember, have a good summer. All right. This letter is from Val Pal, writing to us from North Carolina. This letter has a trigger warning for thoughts of suicide. Hey, y'all. Two months ago, I broke up with my partner of four years. For the last year of our relationship, I had been dealing with some pretty gnarly anxiety that I now realize ramped up right about the time that we decided to move in together. During this past year, I struggled to push my anxiety and doubts inward, praying and doing everything that I could to believe that the anxiety was coming from anywhere else but the doubts in my relationship. I wanted my love and friendship with my partner to be enough to sustain our relationship. I'm also in the helping profession with the majority of my work centering around supporting victims of domestic violence. Last October, I was diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. I was experiencing suicidal ideations, which I shared with my partner, and he was so supportive and ensured that I got help from and support from my family and therapist. In retrospect, at the end of our relationship, I realized that I was so adverse to the idea of hurting him or ending the relationship that the thought of hurting myself felt like the easier option. Mm. Now, two months out of the relationship, I miss my friend. We are so different in the ways we view the world. His harsh pessimism often conflicted with my hopeful outlook on the world, and I feared that it would be unsustainable in the long term. My friends are constantly reassuring me that I was brave and did the right thing by breaking up. I'm struggling to accept my decision and move forward. I dwell in the good aspects of our relationship and feel regretful that I wasn't able to be honest with myself or him about the roots of my suicidal ideations and doubts. Especially hearing tragic stories of heartbreak and cheating, I'm stuck in the what ifs of feeling like I gave up or maybe I'm just incapable of receiving good love. This podcast has been such a comfort in the past few weeks as I begin this new chapter living alone for the first time in my life. I don't have a particular question, but I guess I'd love to hear your advice for letting go of guilt and regrets, fostering self-love and acceptance, and moving forward. Thank you for all the love and laughter you both share with the world. Val Pal, thank you so much for writing. Um, this is such an endearing and heartbreaking letter. It is. Uh, just because I think that... Sam and I both relate to what you're going through. A lot of people listening are going to relate to to what you're going through. And I especially was drawn to this letter because of a couple of your very profound internal revelations. Mm -hmm. Um, The thought about um, keeping the hurt away from your partner for so long, you know, and and internalizing that hurt. I think that's incredibly profound and something that I relate to really personally as well as the really struggling with letting go of guilt or regret over ending something that was good but not good enough. Um, little story time, Val Pal. Um, the most significant relationship in my life up until uh, the relationship that I'm in now, um, I was with someone who who I loved so much. Uh, I he made me happy, he made me laugh, and he was a most importantly he was a good person. And we had a good life together. Mm-hmm. And I, over the years that we were together, I found myself struggling and struggling and struggling with uh, my mental health, with my own self-acceptance, uh, with struggling a lot with with being unsatisfied in the relationship, but not really knowing why. And assuming it had something to do with me and my inadequacies and what I was worthy of. I truly 
I, I started to internalize some of the unhappiness that I felt in the relationship because there was no world in which that that I inhabited in which I would hurt this person to his face, right? Like that 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 there's no I did not know a reality at that time that I could see myself out of that relationship because he was just so good and our relationship was good mm-hmm. and he was kind and loving and I would never want to be something that hurt him. So instead of actually validating my unhappiness or validating what I wasn't getting out of that good relationship, I internalized it and it turned into a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression and a lot of unhealthy toxic behaviors on my part that I hid from my partner because I just couldn't bear the thought of bringing all of that shit to his face. Mm. And so I really relate to the idea that we internalize and uh, we become internally imbalanced when we don't make space for the things that that we're experiencing, if we don't validate the experiences that we're having, especially when things are quote unquote good, mm-hmm. right? That it that was such a difficult time for me because I didn't even know how to say I'm unhappy and these are the reasons why, because for all intents and purposes, I I was happy, right? Mm-hmm. Like that things were, all the boxes were checked. Right. So why aren't I happy in this relationship? Why do I, why do I not want to um, be physical or um, why don't I feel emotionally fulfilled? You know, and I share all of this, I guess, just Val, to, to let you know that you have a kindred spirit across the country. Um, and that I, what, the thing I actually want to share from that relationship is that and Sam can attest to this, that the years after that relationship, it it probably took me three to four years to feel like I made the right decision mm-hmm. in leaving that person. Even though I could turn to Sam and say, I, made, I know we're not supposed to be together, like I made the right decision. It took me that many years to really internalize it and validate it and be like, oh, I left that relationship not because I'm a hot mess, not because I didn't deserve good love, not because I couldn't, I was unworthy of his goodness. Mm. I left that relationship because I was unhappy. Mm-hmm. And that unhappiness was enough. That is, that, that is all I needed. But I guess, Val, I just wanted to share that I struggled for years to accept the choice that I made to hurt somebody that I loved and respected. And I... I guess in sharing, I'm I'm hoping that you won't struggle for so long. You won't deny yourself that acceptance. Mm-hmm. That it sounds like this relationship wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And that, in its simplicity, is okay. It is. It's, it's not the most ideal thing. You don't want to look into the face of the person you love and tell them that they're... That they cannot make you the level of happy, happy that you know you deserve. Mm-hmm. But that's that is life. That is relationships. Sometimes people are awful to us, and we and we have to re- repair from that. Yep. And other times people are good for us, but they're just not meant for us. Mm-hmm. And that is a particular type of pain. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Val, pal, um, that working in the profession that you work in too is. Um, it's probably pretty difficult in in leaving a relationship that has no markers of abuse, right? Like you're working with folks who are experiencing domestic violence. And to, so to say, I can't believe that I gave up something 
that was safe, safe, that was not abusive. Um, and I want you to get that thought out of your head. Right. Because um, you have the right to leave a relationship for whatever reason you decide that you want to leave it. And the reasons why you left this relationship were 100% valid. The reasons that were making you unhappy were 100% valid. Even if he never hit you, even if he never emotionally abused you, no matter what, even if none of those things happened, you have the right, you have the autonomy to decide that this isn't what you want and you want to move away from it. And it's not saying, oh, I have it as bad as people who are being abused. Right. You are just saying this relationship in my circumstance isn't working for me. Right. Yeah. And I just had this revelation too, Val, that I wanted to share um, that makes me a little emotional is that I don't think I, in loving my ex as much as I still love him, I don't know if I could ever truly physically, internally understand that we weren't meant that I didn't make a mistake Mm. until I reconnected with my girlfriend and fell in love and felt something that felt like what I wanted. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, I guess that's just to say you can do all the head and heart work, but sometimes you just need perspective Mm -hmm. and, and perspective comes from time and experience. Yeah. And I'm, and I don't say that to say like, hey, just go out and date somebody else or whatever. <laughs> or, or, and I don't, I don't say that to, to mean like, you just got to wait it out, champ, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. But I struggled with leaving that relationship for so long because it felt unjustifiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I really appreciate what you're saying and t- Sam in terms of like, well, isn't this bad or mm-hmm. it didn't look like this. He did this. Isn't this good? You know? Mm-hmm. But something was wrong. You were unfulfilled. And that is enough right there. And you might not actually have the language to acknowledge why or what you were looking for in the relationship until you find it somewhere else. Right. Yep. Like you are enough as is right now enough to leave. But I. In I guess in like a sentimental romantic way, I didn't know what this level of compatibility felt like until I was with somebody who I was that compatible with, you know, and that's, and I'm grateful for that. It has brought me not my relationship now. And this is an interesting statement. My relationship now has brought me healing from past my past relationships. Absolutely. I I think that's probably a common thing. Maybe. And you would not have been in the relationship that you are in now if you hadn't been able to be that that one. And you know what that, that ending was? Yeah. Is a it's a coming to fruition of authenticity, which mm-hmm. we were talking about in the last episode. That authenticity isn't comfortable or easy. No, authenticity it's not. is really listening hard through the din of all of the things influencing us mm-hmm. and trying to sway us and trying to take us away from ourselves and our um, desires and our needs. Right. Listening to that very quiet internal voice telling you what you know you already know. Mm-hmm. And Val, you know this. Yep. I think that you ask about um, guilt and regret, but I think you just have to forgive yourself for breaking up with someone. Absolutely. And I do want to say to you, Val, in a little bit of tough love is that um, I'm concerned about how much you are sacrificing yourself and your happiness and taking on other people's happiness. Yeah. Um, And I think it comes from being a giver. I mean, Sierra and I are both victims of this. And also... 
like working in the profession that you work in, but I'm going to tell you that um, that sa- continuing to sacrifice and hurt yourself doesn't make you able to help other people. Bing it bong. makes you less able to help yep. other people. Yep. And it's a it's a really hard and I think sort of counterintuitive thing to think about. But you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. And you're going to be a better helper to them when you are able to have strong boundaries Mm -hmm. around what they can and can't put on your plate. And when you are able to have compassion without taking on the everyone else's problems. Yeah. The Brene Brown acronym is is big. Mm. What boundaries do I need to have in place so that I can give generously? Right. Yep. And it's it sounds like I, we are so tr- like trained and taught to be like the best people who are most able to help are the ones that are so self-sacrificing right. that they like don't even exist anymore. Like those are the heroes. But the reality is, is that having strong boundaries and being able to maintain them make you better equipped to give generously. Bing bong. <laughs> because you have more in your well. You have more to be able to give that doesn't deplete you, that doesn't sacrifice you. Yeah. So. Um, this is something that you should talk about with your therapist. And if you aren't in therapy now, I really recommend that you be in it because um, this is something that Sierra and I have struggled with and has been super helpful for me to talk with my therapist about as well. I totally agree. Um, yeah, we hope this helps. We hope this sends you uh, a little further along your journey of self-acceptance and, and self-love and, and just know that you made the right decision because it's the decision you made. Yep, absolutely. We love you. Thanks, Val. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame 
and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Cy Les, who is writing from Minneapolis. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Trigger warning for transphobia and controlling parents. I'm a 21-year-old transgender guy. I am also a college student going into my last year of school. Woot. I have a long long and complicated relationship with my... When did woot become a celebratory sound? Like, I use it. Yeah. Woot, woot. Yeah, woot. But, like, (laughs) what cave person was, like, walking along, found a bush of berries and was like... Woo is the noise I want to make. <laughs> Woot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll look into the etymology of it later. Thank you. I have a long and complicated relationship with my family, particularly my parents. I am the third of six kids. My parents are Catholic, lol. So there's a lot of relationships at play and on the line. My parents have been very controlling, which I know is their way of trying to get me to do what they think is best for me. That doesn't mean it's been good for me, of course. This control has taken on the form of conspiring with my high school ex-girlfriend's parents against us, requiring that I live at home my freshman year of college after I came out as trans to them, threatening to take me off their health insurance since I've started medically transitioning, and banning me from seeking a therapist except for one they would pick out for me, i.e. a de facto conversion therapist. This extra sucks because I have depression and could really use a therapist." There's years of shit like this, which consequently means that there's years of me lying to their faces just to get through it. Neither my parents nor I have a lot of trust for each other. They've lied and done bad things, and I've lied and done things that they would call bad as well. Recently, after not living with them for two years and only seeing them and the rest of my family maybe once a month, I made an effort to repair our relationship. I asked if I could live with them my senior year so that we could have a period of time together where they could see the real me and I could actually be honest with them about how I feel. They seemed happy when I asked this because in my dad's words, I'm, quote, still their kid, of course. I feel happy about this. I felt happy about the situation because even though I knew that living with them would be really hard, I thought it would be worth it. I miss having a family. About three weeks ago, though, they told me they didn't think it was such a good idea for me to live with them. They couldn't even be straight with me. 
They had to say they didn't think it was a good idea, which makes me translate what that means. I was devastated and disappointed and felt stupid for believing that they wouldn't hurt me again. I feel stupid for even suggesting I live with them because that probably would have gone up in flames anyway, even if they let me do it. This really made me see how my parents value control over of me over a relationship with me, and that's a really hard realization to settle with. This is a long story to get me to asking, when do I give up on them? What does giving up on them even look like? I'm thankfully no longer financially dependent on them, besides health insurance, which I could afford on my own but would refer, prefer not to. So I truly could cut ties with them theoretically. However, setting hard boundaries with my parents translates to setting hard boundaries with my siblings, some of whom are too young to be able to visit or reach out to me on their own. I have a couple of beautiful, loving friends and a wonderful, loving girlfriend, but I just get so sad about not having the family I grew up with anymore. Am I clinging on to something that will only cause me more hurt? I don't know what to do, and this has been dragging out for years. Any and all advice from your kind souls would be so helpful. Love you guys. Oh, thank you so much for writing, Silas. Silas. <laughs> Silas. Silas. Yeah. We'll just, Silas. <laughs> We're just going to read between the lines yeah. of that one. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that this is such a universal question. It might not be the most universal experience, but mm -hmm. the idea of like when, particularly with family, like when do, when and how do those boundaries go up with fam? Yeah. With the parents. That's right. And adding um, adding the trans experience to this and and lack of acceptance can really complicate it. So mm -hmm. I'm going to zoom out and talk about just Silas. I'm going to I'm going to zoom out and talk about it as a whole, um, not to erase your trans identity, right. but to be a little bit more universal. But um, we'll we'll touch on that experience as well. Um, I think. What is so universal about this, Silas, is that so many of us, I would argue almost every single human being ever, mm -hmm. has felt a level, can relate to some level of let, part of this letter in terms of looking for what we think we want and need in, in spaces that are unsafe for us mm -hmm. that we grew up with, you yeah. know, um, I, for me, it, it was that I was always looking for an emotional intimacy, um, with my parents that I, that I, that wasn't real, that mm -hmm. I wasn't getting, I just thought I should get it, you yeah. know? Yep. Um, and I'm not saying that your relationship or your past with your family isn't real at all, but just that, I guess I guess what I'm fumbling to say at the very out the gate <laughs> of this letter is the first piece of advice I would give you is that your um the things that you think define you or the things that you think would give you a complete full life have to evolve as you evolve. Mm, yeah. And they and they have to evolve not just because the world around you changes, but the things that keep you safe and happy and whole change. Mm -hmm. I grew up really feeling like I needed a closer relationship to my mother. I felt like a huge lacking in my life because I didn't feel as emotionally close to my mother as I thought I should be. Sure. And I remember one day my dad, in talking about it with my father, 
my dad said, there comes a point, Sierra, where you have to recognize what you want from your parents and what you're not getting from them, and you have to give it to yourself. Mm. And I think the gift that I gave myself was restructuring my needs from my mother, what I needed from her, and really realizing that I needed intimacy in different ways and could get them in safer, more happy, healthy, whole ways from other people or from engaging with my mother differently. Mm -hmm. This literally answers none of your fucking questions, Silas. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just, I wanted to like connect and muse for a second that... At one point in my life, I felt a huge longing and a huge emptiness, yep. and it stressed me out. I, 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 I lost sleep over this, right. right? And I think you're experiencing something very similar that's also wrapped up in your ability to um, live your most authentic life as a trans man mm-hmm. and your ability to be close with your family members. So yeah. they, are, they are cousin experiences, but, so, but also so different. Right. So what did you do? Like, what boundaries did you set up when you realized that your mom wasn't going to be able to give you the emotional intimacy Um, that you wanted from her? This sounds really harsh. um, And I just want to say, if my mom's listening, I I love you so much. And I (laughs) and I am able to love my mother better because, because I of now, your boundaries. Because I, yeah, because of my boundaries, but because I also have come to an acceptance of who she is mm-hmm. and what her strengths are. Yep. You know, and learn um, to love her for those. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the honest thing I'll, if I'm being transparent, how I first solved that, Silas, was that I put a huge boundary between me and my mother and I, I just stopped trying. Mm-hmm. I existed as though I didn't have a mother. Yeah. Right. You know, I would answer her phone calls um, when they would come, but I wouldn't go seeking that love and affection and intimacy that I wanted because I was afraid that it wouldn't be there. Mm, yeah. Right. And so the very first way I dealt with it was with a with a boundary that was constructed of fear. Yeah. And that's I'll, I'll say that that wasn't necessarily that was a boundary that really helped me gain perspective and allowed me to love my mother and have a much healthier and wonderful fulfilling relationship with her but i will say it was a boundary constructed of like i don't want to be hurt by you so i'm not going to engage with you for sure yeah and i think that that is really hard because i think that some of the things that needs to happen when you know you become an adult in relationship with your parents is that like the entire frame has to shift. And I want to jump really quickly and say the the big call out for, for that boundary that I did was that I didn't change anything about myself. I just shut her <laughs> off. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, true. Yeah. It's just like, I yeah. was like, oh, I'm just not going to, I'm I'm not going to go. I'm, it's, it was like a under, uh, I wasn't able to really f- do the head and heart work necessary. Right. Instead, I just stopped calling her and was like, I'm fine. She's lacking. I'm going to move th- through the world with this brick wall between us right. instead of doing the internal work to say, wow, you are asking things from your mother in the wrong way. This you, you are you're you're you want her to be somebody who she's not. Right. You're Why can't you things. love her yeah. for who she is? Right. You know, yep. Yep. Um, and I'm not <laughs> this is all very complicated, Silas. <laughs> um, we love you and your situation may be very different. We're just musing about our own parents and and what 
and what were the lines that we had to draw, Mm -hmm. you know? So later when I started to realize that that hard and fast boundary that I had put up that brick wall was a facade, really, Mm -hmm. it was, it was me clocking out instead of engaging in the head, our hard work, you know? I realized that because I was still resentful. I still could be hurt, you know? Yeah, yep. Um instead of like doing the 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 paradigm shift where you you are no you take the power away from the situation. Right. Yep. Yeah, um, and I mean I think most decisions made out of fear tend to Yeah. <laughs> Other than like maybe running, yeah, you right. know, from like a bear. That's probably like a good fear-based yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure. Um I'm going to turn away from me for a second or f- for the rest of the episode, <laughs> hypothetically, you know what I mean? Um, so, Silas, I think that just to, to summarize all of that rambling about my experiences, this is going to be an ongoing thing. It is. Relationships with your parents will continue <laughs> to perpetuity. <laughs> yes, they will continue to evolve and change, and you will change, and your needs will change, and the things that you need from them will change. Yep. Um, I think I want to say that um, as an umbrella statement and then hopefully give you some like physical tactile tactile things to do in the meantime. Yep. I mean, what would you say, Sam? I mean, you have you have the opportunity right now, but like, <laughs> you know, what would you say to somebody who says, like, should I break up with my parents? Um, I feel unsupported by them. Um, so it's I think it's more complicated than it is. I think that relationships with families are inherently more complicated (laughs) Um, and that it is hard to break up with your parents. I will say, Silas, like that is an option. Yes. Like it 100 percent is. You are not, you know, you are not beholden to your parents. Yes, they raised you. Yes, they paid for you to get to the ripe age of 21, which you are now, which is great. But but you don't owe them anything. Yeah. Like. That's just the reality of it. Yes. And it's a callous. It sounds like a callous and bitter thing to say. But like if they are causing you this much heartbreak and this much pain, then you don't owe them anything. Right. Um, but I will also say like there you clearly have a desire to have them as part of your life in some way. And so my suggestion to you is maybe not to give up on them, but to really take stock of who they are and what they are capable of giving you. And what you can expect from them. Yep. I remember thinking when Sam was reading your letter that you you said I would see them maybe once a month. That is a lot of family socializing for some people. <laughs> I, and I know, I, I guess, I, why I wanted to point that out is that I wonder if, I wonder if it wasn't a numbers thing about you. It wasn't like, it wasn't like you were seeing them. It's not. It wasn't like you were you weren't seeing them enough. Mm-hmm. It's more that the the time you were having with them was not as emotionally fulfilling. Yep. And the relationship they had with them is not as intimate or as fulfilling as you want it to be. Yeah. Right. So so it's not about time. Maybe it's about the internal understanding of what you can get from them, what you can expect from them. Yep. Uh, to me, I would say a tan- tangible step you can take is limiting your time with them mm-hmm. is to say, okay, I'm going to come over to dinner once a month. Mm-hmm. And that is my engagement. That's, that's me committing and showing up to this relationship. Yep. Um, but I don't need more from that, you yep. know, and really giving yourself that pep talk of, okay, I'm going to go here and it might be this, it might be uncomfortable. They might be doing this. This is what I can expect from these people, but at least I'm showing up. For sure. And, you know, that gives you an opportunity to be able to spend time with your siblings who you aren't able to 
see outside of, you know, your yeah. relationship with your parents. But I do think it is sort of like managing your own expectations of what your parents are capable of giving yeah. you. And like that's shitty and and sucks because like I think we all want our parents to be the people that provide for us and that care for us and that love us unconditionally and love us without judgment. But our parents are people and yes. they have flaws and they have uh, biases and they have ways of looking at the world that are different than ours. And so it they can't be everything to us. Right. And that's a I think that's a really sad thing to say, actually. It's like like it hurts my heart to think <laughs> that we walk through this world and our parents aren't able to give us everything that we want them to. But um, but what are they capable of giving you? Is there something positive in there that you can take? Right. And if not, then cheerful and stupid all the way. Yes. Just like go say hi to them, use them as a vehicle to get access to your your siblings and just maintain as much as you can that relationship while recognizing that their judgment of you or their not acceptance of you has nothing to do with is not a reflection of who you are and and how you live your life. You are a good person. Your identity is 100 percent valid and 100 percent right. real. There's nothing wrong with you. You are healthy, you are happy, you are whole, you are a good person within yourself and your parents' judgment has nothing to do with that. And I think that the the last thing I want to just hit on is that you are whole, just as Sam said, um, whether or not you are accepted by your parents, yep. that we all have this deep ache we have this deep ache to to be wanted by our parents, to be loved, mm-hmm. to be appreciated, to be understood, to make our parents proud. Whatever the cross that we bear is, yep. right? So often connected with our fucking parents. Seriously. <laughs> you know? But I just want to say, like, you don't need what you think you need from them to feel complete or valid or whole is a construction in your mind. Mm-hmm. And that construction is like very fortified <laughs> yeah, and for might sure. might take a lot of like internal labor, head and heart work to unpack. Yep. But I want you, before you go over to the next dinner at your family's, I want you to like sit in the car outside the house and say like, I am whole right now as is. Yep. You go to dinner. It's fine. They, maybe they don't tell you that they're proud of you. Maybe they don't say um, we love and accept you as is. Maybe they don't ask you what, preferred pronouns you have and you're going to walk out of that house you're going to sit in your car and say i'm still whole Mm -hmm. i'm still whole even if that hurts even if that makes me feel small even if that makes me feel invalid that inadequacy on their end doesn't reflect on me absolutely we love you silas thanks so much for writing all right and our last letter is from m dot 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 from Oh, okay. What? I thought there was going to be like a, another letter after no, that. No, M ellipses. Okay, great. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. You say it. Saskatchewan? Sask- there's, there's way less syllables than there are letters. Whatever, whatever you just said isn't right. And I'm sure it is, but there's like a 47 letters on the page, and you've just said two syllables. Saskatchewan. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're the... doing great, sweetie. <laughs> Thank you. It looks like a it's it looks like Chewbacca's cousin. Mm-hmm. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. Samkin. All right. I mean, huh. I, 
don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I'm just saying it are. with much more conviction. Yeah, well, that is half of American politics. <laughs> Hello, you beautiful humans. I want to start by thank you for, thanking you for building this community. I found you at a time in my life that I needed your advice the most, and I can't express how much relief it brought me to know that there are other people out there going in the void, going through the same things I am. Thanks to you two and your advice, I have started to really show up for myself in my personal and peer relationships and set boundaries for myself and others. And it's been really healing. So thank you. Oh, I just got really emotional. Of all the fucking things we read, like I can keep it together, but I am menstruating. So. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just a human and I have emotions. That's right. So into my letter, I'm going to paraphrase a bit here so I can get into the thick and juicy bit. So myself, (laughs) I know. So myself, female and my partner, male, have been together in a monogamous relationship for just shy of two years. Our relationship has been all over the board. We started out long distance and then moved in together back to long distance and then back to uh, currently living together. Along with that, emotionally, our relationship has been the same, has been through the same lots of highs and really really low lows our main areas of struggle are communication managing our feelings slash moods and differences in opinions we are two very different people myself being very spiritual feelings based i'm into health wellness and healing i'm a slight control freak and like to have my space and surrounding areas to be kept a certain way. My partner is what I like to describe as a chronic bachelor. He has a serious addiction to fast food, weed, and has no desire to take care of his belongings or himself. He is extremely smart and driven when it comes to his work, but when it comes to his lifestyle, it's the complete opposite. I'm constantly cooking, cleaning, and looking after our shared space. I'm to the point where it feels like I'm his mother. He helps in certain areas like laundry and dishes, but when he does do these tasks, he only partially partially completes them or does them in a half-assed way in which I end up nagging at him and he feels discouraged and hesitant to do them in the first place. Along with these smallest issues, I find myself frustrated in other areas. Emotionally and physically, we have been struggling, and I find myself being not as attracted to him as I once was. A big part of it comes uh, back to him not taking care of himself. He has poor hygiene and doesn't care about his appearance in the slightest, something I don't often speak to him about as I don't want him to think that I do not love him based on his appearance. Along with that, we have very different interests. I love music, food, and culture. These things are extremely important to me, and I have found myself giving up on a lot of these things out of disinterest from my partner. He's very much into sports and bro activities, if you will. We find similarities in our interests when it comes to being outdoors and being active, which we do spend time doing together. But again, I find myself compromising my interests to indulge our mutual interests or his, and he rarely compromises for mine. We have all these big plans for our future and plan to on working together in the future, something we do very well together and is what brought us together in the beginning. We met through work, but I really do look for, forward to doing all these things with him, and I feel secure when I do look at our future together, but currently I'm questioning all of it due to these small details. I feel so much guilt about it. Do I love the man I am with or do I love the idea of what this relationship could be? Do I need to give up my interests or, quote, loosen the reins to find happiness with him? Is asking him to meet my needs, cleaning, cooking, being more healthy and taking care of himself too much to ask of my partner? 
Do I really want to invest my future in someone who I find it hard to be with right now? How do I communicate these things with him without completely crushing him or asking him to be a completely different person than he already is? I know there are a lot of questions, but I'm so torn. I don't want to give up on our potential, but I also know that I can't base our love on strictly our potential alone. Please help me find some clarity. A million thanks and well wishes, M. Hi, M. Hello. Thanks for writing. Thank you. Um, this is a sticky situation. It this, is a sticky situation. This is a bit of a pickle. <laughs> you found yourself in a bit of a pickle. A bit of a pickle. <laughs> um, like laughs aside, <laughs> this is hard, man. Yeah. Because I think that the, the, the universal experience here is being with somebody where you're like, this could be good mm-hmm. or this is good in yep. some formations, but like. What, how many little infractions do they have to be? There's not like a strike system in dating, yep. right? There's not like a uh, system in place that we can turn to to be like, oh, guess it's time to break up because he's had three no no's, you know? <laughs> right? I'm sure that there are some people who operate like that, but for most of us, it's much less clear. Yeah. Um, have you been in a situation like this? Um, I mean, yeah. I feel like that's. Like every relationship before Peter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where you're just like, this isn't enough, but I see potential in it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's not true. Maybe once before. But like, it's hard. It's hard to look at the um, the current and the right now and not think like, oh, well, those are the things that will change yeah. in order to get us to that point of like, oh, then everything will be perfect. Because, yeah. like, the things that are not that you don't really like about that person, in my experience, don't really change. <laughs> I sort of agree, but I want to say out, out the gate, off the bat, uh-huh. um, if you're not communicating about these things, then then no, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no future. And right. I don't even mean to sound so pessimistic. True. But, like, if you can't say... To the, your partner, I need you to clean more mm-hmm. um, because I'm feeling. I need you to. I need you to meet me halfway. Yep. And it doesn't sound like he is. If if that's not a conversation that you both can have because it requires effort on both ends, mm-hmm. it requires you to actually verbalize what you actually need, not wrap it up in a neat little package to make it more consumable for him. Yep. And it requires him to put in the effort to meet you at your real needs and. Furthermore, M, if you if you start asking for what you need and he starts he, he understands the importance and the weight of it all, then you're going to actually find it easier to to meet him in the middle too. Do you know what I mean? Like if sure. he puts in effort and starts changing, you're going to it's you're not you're going to have less vindiction or you're going to have less resentment. Yep. Um and you're going to be able to say, "You know what? Like I I'll I'll fold the laundry like you've been you've been trying so hard. I see you accommodating. So I'm going to accommodate you for sure. So that's step one is step if you're not having honest, transparent conversations about the things that are bothering you in a relationship, then your potential does mean jack shit for sure. And I think that honestly, these things that you're describing are are more symbolic conflicts than they are actual conflict. And I think the major conflict right here is that you feel like you are putting in way more energy into this relationship than you think that he is. And that I don't think is something that is easily rectified without having a long 
in-depth conversation about not the symbols of the conflict, but the conflict itself. Because if you nag him about laundry, he's not going to see that as important because it's not important for him, but it is for you. Right. And so you saying like, you don't do the laundry, you need to do more laundry is going to come across as being naggy and it's not going to be motivating for him. Right. But having a conflict or a conversation about here is where I'm putting energy into this relationship. Where are you putting energy into it? And that can perhaps change your perspective and say, oh, here's all of these things that I didn't see him doing because that's not the perspective that I was looking at Mm. as being important in in a relationship. And maybe it's that he's like, I get you gas every time I go out or like drive the car. Or he's like, "Um, like I painted or whatever it is, right? Right. That you're unable to see because you have different, you have different symbols of what putting energy into the relationship is. Yeah. But if you are able to have that conversation and he's still like, well, I dusted the PlayStation off so that it doesn't <laughs> so that my disc spins. Right. Like that's not going to be. it. Yeah. And, and I think also, like, if you are able to say uh, this is really weighing on me and it's making me question our true long term compatibility, if you mm-hmm. can get him to see the importance of this. Yep. Like Sam is saying then maybe it will shift something. But again, it goes back to, are you willing to have the conversations with him or else you are truly gambling on that potential? For sure. You know, it that long-term goal, that long-term relationship that you guys are talking about, that you're, that you're not only worthy of having, but that I can see a future in. It sounds like you, that you, you two have been in it for a while. You're invested. You, you're, you're planning for the future together. You're, you have shared goals I see that future. I believe in it. But if you don't start talking and working as a team transparently and supportively, yep. that's, that, that future is nothing. For sure. And I will also say that it's much easier to plan for the future than it is to give in the present. So, Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many, how many dudes have approached Sierra and been like, I'm going to make you my wife? <laughs> Bitch, you did not have to come for my jugular like that. And the answer is seven. But it's like, it's so much easier to say. That is so (laughs) fucking painfully specific. I know. Listen, um, I too have survived on a diet of only potential for years. Uh Let me tell you. That shit rots your guts from the inside out. (laughs) Uh, No, it's fine. I've also been in relationships where I've been like, oh, everything's going to be so good as soon as he stops cheating on me. Yeah. Um, But the reality is, is that it's like so much easier to be like, yeah, we're going to work together. We're going to like build our work. When we get our house, then I will I'll put the energy into it. Or like when we have kids, I'll Mm -hmm. make sure that I'm doing the laundry, too. And it's like, listen. It's easy to make promises that you don't have any expectation to keep than Mm -hmm. it is to keep the promises that you've already made. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. like, I don't want you to think that the issues that you're experiencing in the present are small because they're not because they're they are important to you. And that makes them not small. And two, I don't want you to look past them at something that is much easier to do than actually show up in the present. Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, yeah, it starts with communication. Yep. It it 
transfers then over to boundaries. <laughs> Because I think the maybe the last thing I want to touch on, M, is that this self-folding that you're doing to yep. accommodate his interests, that's not going to serve anybody. Yep. Uh, that's Here's my real talk, like hard love or tough love for you, is that you don't need your boyfriend to affirm your interests. You don't need your boyfriend to give you permission to go find that art and culture that's so important to you. Mm-hmm. And I am here to tell you that you don't have you 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 actually can have a very thriving, healthy relationship with different interests. Yep. But it's about the other partner supporting your interests, mm-hmm. showing interest when it's important to you. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you saying, "Hey, I'm going to go to this art gallery. See you, lady, lo- later. Love you." Yep. You know, like mm-hmm. that. You are worthy of that experience as is on your own. Yep. And can you find it fulfilling without the support of your partner? Yep. And don't get me wrong; like it's obvious that he's doing a lot less folding than you are, and I'm on Team M oh, all the sure. way. Yeah. But. To hear that you are sacrificing your desires for or sacrificing your interests mm-hmm. for his, it doesn't compute to me because your interests have nothing to do with his interests in your interests. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, you should just you. like follow your interests. Yep. It has nothing to do with the compatibility of a relationship because they're yours. Right. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what else to say? Mic dropped. Uh, <laughs> I think that's. Yeah, so have the communication, have the conversation with him because if you if you don't have this conversation, nothing is going to yeah. change. Um, and when you're having this conversation, talk authentically and vulnerably about yourself and not about him. Mm. So, uh, you know, when you don't get the laundry done, it I feel this way, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like when you get the you don't do the laundry. It's about like when the laundry isn't done, I feel like you aren't respecting. Our shared space, mm-hmm. or I feel like you don't value uh, the the shared space as much as I do. Right, right. It's about you and how you're feeling, not about him doing things wrong. And hopefully, from that conversation, you'll be able to see that this is actually not just little things, but things that right. are actually very symbolically important to you. Right, and can step up. But if he doesn't step up, I. I just don't want you to be unhappy anymore. <laughs> that's the, the, that's the realest thing. I, I actually believe in this relationship. I just want to say, like, I see a life. I see goodness in this relationship. I yeah. get a good vibe. Uh-huh. But Sam's right. Like, is the idea of partnership worth being unhappy? No. Yeah, well, you have to rewrite the brains of like, you know, you have to rewire the, the circuits of our for sure. culture, you yeah. know, it's because we're taught about coupling. But oh, for anyway. sure. And we are. And but it's also like, you know, you are you are worthy and you are valid without a partner. Right. A, a, you know, being in a partnership doesn't complete you. Right. Your interests are amazing, regardless of someone else is interested in them. Right. Like all of these things are important things to learn um, because like shit happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like the only person you can depend on is yourself. Yeah, exactly. I we're like I I think we're kind of at like a nihilistic end of this episode. Just want to say one more time um, that I think your love is good. Like like keep doing that, but also like you do you. Like you're you're worthy uh-huh. of saying this is how I want my space. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Period. Yep. Like why does the messy one have to be the one that doesn't compromise? <laughs> It's true. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and I hope this helps. Sorry, we're laughing about nihilism. (laughs) 
We love you and we we hope you we wish you all the best. Yeah. Thanks for writing. That brings us to the blind date segment of our show where we like to set you up with something that we think uh, is really awesome. And this week we want to send you home with an episode of a podcast called The Ezra Klein Show. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It's episode 181. It's called Best of N.K. Jemisin. Um, And N.K. Jemisin is like an award winning um, sci fi writer. Uh, She's the first african-american woman to win a hugo award and she's the first author ever to win three hugo awards in a row bing bong that's right um and i read her inheritance trilogy a few years ago which was really great um and i don't know anything about the ezra klein show i've never listened to it except for this episode um but what she does is uh she does these seminars on world building. Okay. So like if you Ooh, are like trying to develop a sci-fi or fantasy story, how do you develop the world that it exists in? Um, and so she works with Ezra to like help him come up with a world and refine some oh, things. Fun. And it's super funny because he'll be like, I think this. And she'll be like, um, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's really cool about it is that they have this conversation about world building. And through it, they have conversation about like society about our world and humanity and the ways that we understand the world and um and she like she takes it to like oppression training like anti-oppression training as Mm. well of sort of the ways that we see the world are so ingrained in us that sometimes we can't see that they are ways of seeing the world Mm. um and that and that, that relationships. Underst- <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but that that understanding of society and uh, like ingrained bias and oppression is at the heart of uh, sci-fi because yeah. it's like because we can see the way that we understand the world in whatever this weird world is. Totally. But that also helps us unlock our own understanding of the ways in which our society teaches thing teaches totally. us things that we take that we take for granted. And I just thought it was like such an interesting conversation. Cool. Had so many like different elements to it um, and just really enjoyed it. So it's episode 181 of the Ezra Klein show. It's a podcast. I don't know if I mentioned that. Right. Um, but it's best of N.K. Jemison. Awesome. I'm going to check it out. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can like us on Facebook or you can uh, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our new merchandise. Bring home a Just Break Up hat to give relationship advice to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review, and also consider supporting us on Patreon. If you give us $5 a month on Patreon, you get four... No, not four. I don't know why I want to say four. (laughs) You get an additional bonus weekly episode that's $5 a month for a weekly episode. Patreon.com slash JustBreakUpPod. This helps us keep the lights on, and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, to make small steps towards your big goals is making progress. Today, you're going to make small steps. You're going to make progress towards your goals because you're worth it. Your thoughts do not control you. You control your thoughts. You're capable. You are strong. You are willing to do the work. Trust yourself, trust your instincts, 
and give yourself the gift of loving yourself, the ultimate relationship. And if all else fails, just break up.